0: you're listening to ggr pirate radio don't be a juice bag
1: let me first steve thank you for for being part of this uh, this little experiment absolutely um, that we're doing
0: this didn't this sort of start out of you and i having a hour and a half long text message about star trek and orville yes Was that,
1: okay. <laughs> that is exactly where it came from yes like it's It's one of those things where um, I envisioned this conversation that we had via text about Star Trek and the Orville as like, remember when you were a kid, like I would say like elementary or middle school, right? And you were talking to one of the other kids in your class that you had become friends with. And you mentioned you were like, oh, do you like Star Trek? And they were like, yes. And you both just geek out and you talk about all the things that you love about Star Trek. And like, that's kind of how I felt that conversation went. It was like, <laughs> I found somebody else that is as nerdy about this thing as I am. And we can we can talk about these things. And there's and, I'm, and nobody's going to be like, no, I'm not watching it. And then you have to try to explain the, sh- the whole show to them. And you're like, you know, just forget it. It's just not worth it. Never mind. We go play yeah, in the I- swings by myself.
0: And I like how you like it warts and all. You know what I mean? There's kind yeah. of a, there's a lot of people who like, you know, if the first season of Discovery, which we'll hopefully, you know, touch on. Yeah. It was so bumpy. A lot of people I know that were just like, no, I'm done. I'm not going to watch this. This isn't Star Trek. You know, they had a real immediate visceral reaction to it, but it's like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of like, you know, I, I, I like Star Trek despite, you know, the, if you, these are people who love the first series, the original series yeah. and stomach kirk vamping it up as a woman in you know shatner acting as a female captain in the last episode of the show you know it's like there's such cheesiness and such terribleness in the original series yeah uh but you know we we suffered through that to get the good bits i i feel like discovery is making us go through that same kind of uh uh gauntlet to get to the the stuff that's really good
1: i think that's a very that's a very good way of putting it it is warts and all like that's And we'll get to all of this, too. Right now, this is just kind of our cold open. So uh, anybody who's listening, hey, welcome to the... uh, I don't even know what we're calling this yet. We we bounced around a couple of names, but we're going to call this right now. We're just GGR's Star Trek talk with Mike and Steve Connolly, who... Hey, it's not Steve Monick. Shocker. It's a GGR podcast without Steve Monick. Um, We've got our, I would say, new friend, new friend of the show, um, Mr. Steve Connolly, the wonderfully talented artist of the Middle Age. Um, he's going to be joining me for some Star Trek talk because the rest of the jerks at GGR are not watching Star Trek, so we had to have somebody who was an expert.
0: The, the goal of this podcast should be to convince them to watch it.
1: That's that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping they're going to hear how much fun we have doing this and they're going to be like, man, I really need to go back and watch these, so... Um, what we kind of intend to do with this podcast, informally, nothing real strict and rigid with this, but we just want to talk about the thing that we love. We want to talk about Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we might go back and talk about some of the old, older series. We, you know, you heard mention of the original series. We'll talk about the Next Generation, uh, Voyager, those sorts of things. But then we're also going to talk about the Orville. Now, I know so many people out there who are like, well, the Orville's not Star Trek. It is. OK, Let, let's we're going to squash that right now. I know it's not the Star Trek in name, but it is Star Trek. Like if you watch it, it has the exact same feel. It's like if you took Star Trek the Next Generation season 8 written by Seth MacFarlane. It has the same feel and those same like the same content, the same social commentary that Star Trek had, only with that that kind of witty pop culture banter that you get from Seth MacFarlane. So, I think i don't think i think it's fair to say that it is star trek in spirit for sure
0: oh absolutely it's yeah. it's my girlfriend doesn't care for discovery at all she's oh, yeah. she's yeah. like she the first season of discovery was just like this isn't trick they're getting so much of it wrong um uh, but she was like discovery came i'm sorry uh, orville came on and she said oh okay now we have now there's star trek to watch and people who think it's not star trek sure it's not canon but I guess the Kelvin movies might not be either or the animated series might not be either, but yeah. there's no way that the Orville would exist if Star Trek hadn't. Exactly. You know? yeah. It's such, a, it, it's, it is the continuation of the next generation. So if you like the next generation, you'll like this and it's, and the, the nice thing about it is it's got this kind of Stargate quality where it's still rooted in our universe, even though it's, I don't know how many hundreds of years in the future you know, there's still references to Kermit the Frog and Billy Joel and all these pop culture things that are I know they're kind of to help the muggles enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah. But um, but it's but they're used for comedic effect. They're sometimes used for the, the store for story purposes. I'm hoping they don't lean too heavily on it. I'm hoping that there's not a constant 20th century reference in every episode. Yeah. But um, but it's fun that they do that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. So, guys, sit tight. Uh, strap in. Unlike the bridge of the Enterprise, uh, if you have and uh, have a seatbelt, go ahead and buckle that because we're about to hit warp drive. We're going to start this Star Trek talk on GGR Pirate Radio starting right now.
0: This is called Pirate Radio. Podcasting the Final Frontier. These are the voyages of Mike Lunsford and Steve Conley talking about Star Trek Discovery and the Arville. Their hour-long mission is to
1: explore interesting topics and hopefully entertain you with their takes on these two shows. And to boldly go to the top of your podcast favorites. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford, and these are the voyages... Of the Starship GGR. Um, we are talking Star Trek. We have got a wonderful guest. Uh, he's going to be the co-host of this show. Uh, he's a very talented artist. You've heard him on the airwaves here of GGR Pirate Radio before. Uh, his name is Steve Connolly.
0: Hey there. Uh,
1: and again, Steve, thank you so much for for joining me in this adventure to boldly go where nerds have traveled many, many, many times and talking about Star Trek and the Orville. Um, I want to jump right into this right now. And the reason why we're doing both of these. Why is there not just a Star Trek podcast? Why is there not a separate Orville podcast? In my opinion, and I've I've written this in the Annals of GGR before, which if you're unfamiliar, it's greatgeekrefuge.com. Take a look at it, lots of great articles, lots of great other podcasts. But I've I've written that these two shows, The Orville and Star Trek Discovery specifically, because of when they both released, when they both came out, they're inexplicably tied together because they're both science fiction shows. They're both based on star Trek and with them coming out simultaneously, they're just, they're always going to be compared to each other. There there's no avoiding it. Um, And that's why I wanted to talk about them simultaneously because I feel like they are connected to each other in a lot of different ways. Um, Is it, is it something just to kind of start, start this off with this? Do you feel that that's fair Do you feel feel it's fair that these are always going to be compared to each other, or do you have to separate them in your mind and say, okay, these are two completely different shows; they have nothing to do with each other?
0: No, I think it's fair to compare them. I mean, there's so many, there's so much crossover with cast and crew um, uh, between Star Trek and Discovery. I'm sorry, excuse me, starting Discovery and with uh, the Orville, um, that I think it's fair to compare them, and they're all descendants of the original series and next generation um, so um it's hard to i don't think you could disentangle them i mean i i so i think you're absolutely right i think it's absolutely fair to compare these two um and because it's also we're comparing them in the context of the original series and the next generation i mean i i'll definitely i, I kind of try to enjoy them on their own merits but it's hard to not place them in the context of Star Trek because they're both descendants.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, they're, they you the the DNA is there. Like it's like they're cousins, basically.
0: Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, let's start with we'll start with Discovery um, because alphabetically it's first. Um, we'll start with Discovery and then we'll go into the Orville. Just a, just a kind of a quick your your quick thoughts on season one of uh, of Discovery. Um, it didn't get the best reviews but they weren't horrible there was a lot of mixed reviews from from the fandom um but rev- but for the most part critics seems to like it what was your take on on season one of discovery
0: i thought it was pretty bad i thought there were one there were nice moments um i i felt like we, you talked a little bit about the um um the nate the the episodic Nature of it that they these weren't standalone episodes, but this was one long continuing arc, and I kind of felt like that was maybe CBS not, uh, you know, it, this is really their first big push into streaming. I know they've got some uh, another drama, but um, I think the this was clearly the big budget uh, thing they've put a lot of effort into to to kick off their streaming service. Yeah. Um, but I think the idea of creating one long arc, it, it felt awkward. It also <laughs> felt. Like and you know, I think that it felt like they didn't get Star Trek right. And I can tell that they agree with me because season two is making fixes based on the problems people had with season one. You know, uh, this is this uh, for people who haven't seen the show yet. I'm assuming most people have at this point or are yeah. listening to this. Half, yeah. But it's not a spoiler
1: at this point. It's been out for over a year or so.
0: <laughs> but it's uh, some of the basics. It's set before the original series in the timeline. Yet the technology is way past the time. So there's making they're making no effort to. Um, to be consistent with the look and feel of the original series. And they're also inserting themselves directly into the timeline, into the story that we had previously by introducing a sister of Spock. Yeah. So the, the main character is Spock's sister, so a character we've never heard of. Um, and there's precedent for most of the things they've done, which most people had problems with. They thought oh, well, why have we not heard of Spock's sister? Well, we didn't hear about Spock's brother till the fifth movie. Exactly, so yeah. there's plenty of excuses. And people are like, You know they had problems with the Klingons having this, these giant sarcophagi ships, and yes, it was different, um, and they were all bald, uh, uh, and they looked very different, and for some reason they all talked way too slowly. Um, The the closed caption was seemed to be like big print edition, like really (laughs) like a children's like a children's book, Um, but all those bumps aside. The second season of Discovery seems to be fixing most of the things I had a problem with, and then you can look at the the, uh, if you're a fan or if you're familiar with the the Next Generation. The first season of the Next Generation was equally bumpy. Yeah. That that encounter at Farpoint was a mess. Um, So I think there's a lot. You know, it's almost Star Trek tradition for the odd numbered thing to be bad. (laughs) So. I felt like the first season, season one of Discovery is sort of allowed to be bad. But so far in Discovery season two, they're fixing a lot of that stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would I would tend to agree Um, what I really liked about season one um, of Discovery. I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I disliked it because for the most part, I'm it's hard for me to not to like Star Trek. There are very few forms of the medium that I've actually with disdain said, I did not like this. The only one that I can really think of that I didn't like was the Kelvin uh Star Trek into Darkness. Um, and the reason I didn't like it was the first half of the movie was great. I thought they were really going somewhere with it, and then you had the big reveal, which wasn't a reveal because they leaked it, and it was stupid, but like... It, I totally agree. Yeah, the second half of that movie was just garbage. It was it was pieced together. It was basically like they took Star Trek Nemesis and Star Trek II The Khan, cobbled them together, and they were like, hey, here's a movie, and it just it wasn't good, and they did these things to try to get an emotional response from from the audience, like... Uh, oh, hey, I'm not Benjamin Harrison. I'm, or John Harrison, I'm Khan. Like, that's going to matter to these guys who've never met Khan before. It was supposed to be shocking to the audience, but why would the actors care? It's not for the audience. It's for, like, you're. this is supposed to be happening in real life, not, like, turning to the camera and being like, ooh, remember how scary I was when I was Ricardo Montalban? Like, it's, you can't do that, and... That was my biggest gripe with Discovery, is they did the same thing. It was lazy writing a lot of times, where it was like, we're going to do this thing that's going to be shocking to the audience, but what's the purpose for it? it, it there, was, there was a lot missing. And you really saw that in the last like two or three episodes of the season. There were things yeah. I really, really liked about it. Like, you mentioned the Klingons. You mentioned the, the way they spoke. I actually really liked that. And the reason why I liked it is because it was the first time that Klingons had actually felt alien. And instead of just before, they was just like, oh, they're sort of human looking. They didn't look anything like humans. And I thought the commentary that they were making on Western civilization versus the Islamic countries in, a, in the world right now, that the Klingons were stand ins for the Islamic countries and the Federation was the Western civilizations. I was like, wow, this is this is dead on. OK, I see where they're going with this. The the technology upgrades, the makeup upgrades, I didn't care about that because it, I think it would take people out of the series if they just went like, all right, well, we're going to make this look exactly like the original series did, and we're going to use old technology to do that. I'm okay with the upgrades; it, it's fine. I, it's reimaginings, in my in my opinion. Um, it's, but I'm I'm also okay with them trying to do creative things. I give artistic license to writers and directors to try something new, to try something innovative, you know, like, um, what did Kirk say in Star Trek three to Scotty when Scotty was like, Oh, the, the Excelsior is, you know, Uh it's too, uh, there's too much stuff going on. And he's like, Hey, Mr. Scott, you know, young ideas, fresh minds, you know, let's be tolerant. Uh Um, it's the same kind of thing with me. I I think that we should be, we should allow these things to expand and, and we should be able to take our own interpretations with them. Cause otherwise,
0: unfortunately, the art form tends to die if we don't. Um, well, I think the, the problem, the, the major problem I had with season one of Discovery yeah. was that only Saru acted like a Starfleet officer. Um, yeah, that's a really good point, though. Yeah. The, the characters didn't behave. I mean, the, you know, no, some spoilers, yeah. uh, some of the characters, some of the key characters are, are from the Mirror Universe. So it's fine that it's fine that those are revealed to have had, um, you know, to, to not behave in a Starfleet fashion. But uh, so many other characters just did not seem like starfleet material they all act like barkley from uh <laughs> from the next generation they're all
1: that's me- that's that's funny I, I literally said to somebody earlier i was like um that uh that tilly it must be like a an ancestor of uh lieutenant barkley because they have that same awkward demeanor and yeah that's exactly they're like
0: barkley and and the i think the thing i said online was that um It seemed like this is, if you look at Discovery, that's probably why counselors were standard issue on Starfleet vessels by the time The Next Generation rolls around. Because everybody in this show has got like, you know, they have weird love triangles and, you know, I I don't know. The writing seemed really sloppy. But the the good news is the second season, people say this about parks and recreation. Start with season two. I would say start with season two of Discovery. Do not go near season one. Put a just let it go that yeah. they, they were working stuff out yeah. and um season two and and the shorts they did in between season one and season two were really good oh yeah they were so
1: much fun yeah
0: and yeah. S- and I, I i i love short stories like that and there's no real there's no there, in traditional broadcast there was no way to do those so it's a real thing that streaming can do that um which seems nice so i'm, I'm glad to see that them like, i'm glad to see them uh, taking advantage of that
1: yeah, I'm 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 with you for sure. Um, I think that what you've mentioned so far of season two is is very true of Discovery. It has been much more tight. It is they've really fixed a lot of the issues they were having with season one. And there's certain things that, I if I'm really nitpicky, I haven't liked about it. But like the only thing that I can say thus far in season two that I did like there was an episode when we see uh, Captain Giorgio. Um. It shows up on uh, Kronos uh, to help out uh, Lorel and um, I can't remember his name now. I just blanked on him. Um, Tyler. Thank you. Yeah. To help them out. And her weaponry that she used, it was really goofy looking. She basically like filed, fired a giant bubble at the Klingon defector that was trying to kill them. And I was like, okay, this is kind of goofy. This is, this is stupid looking. That was the only thing. Because it took me out of the moment. I was like, that's that's really strange that they would use weaponry like that. Okay, whatever, she's Section 31, cool, whatever. Like, it, that's the only issue I've had so far. Um, mm. the, like, I thought that second episode they did when they found that planet, that was essentially... They somehow managed to have that... And, and again, spoilers, if you haven't watched this, jeez, I'm sorry. I should have said this at the beginning. Um... The episode where they find the entire civilization that had basically been transplanted from Earth in World War III. That felt so much like old Star Trek to me.
0: Yeah, that, that was them sneaking a Star Trek episode into Star Trek. That yeah, exa- was nice. Right, yeah, exactly. And especially with
1: Discovery, where Discovery is very um, modern. They, they try to go with that modern story aesthetic. They try to do those shocking moments. The special effects are big. And... Everything needs to tie together. That one episode only had a little bit of a tie through for the rest of the season. It, it almost felt like a standalone episode, and that's kind of what I liked about it. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, and they actually had a moral dilemma, yeah. and they had characters who were right on both sides and wrong on both sides, and yeah. they had you know, no clear, uh, easy solution. Yeah. And it was wonderful. It was, a, it was, a, it was a wonderful st- uh, episode of Star Trek. But I think any any one of the previous incarnations of Trek would have been uh, proud to include that among them.
1: Oh, for sure for sure let's um since we talked about our our feelings on season one of uh of discovery which like you said you were not a not a huge fan of it but you definitely gave it a sec a shot to for a second season um let's talk about the orville real quick um different show different setup too like you can get this on basic cable you can get this on fox um i've been watching it via hulu because we don't have regular cable anymore um but I enjoy that I can watch an, an episode at a time. I kind of like not having to binge watch stuff. I like that I can watch something and digest it instead of having to take 13 episodes and digest it all at the same time and try to remember anything. You yeah, me an, too. You have enough time to really get the, the guts of, of, the, of the story. And you, and you catch nuances that you might have missed if you're trying to watch 13 episodes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, at first, this show, I thought this was going in a completely different direction. I really thought that Orville was going to be goofy Seth MacFarlane comedy. And honestly, I didn't mind at first. I was like, okay, cool. I, I liked the first few seasons of Family Guy. It was goofy. It was funny. I'm okay with this. And it kind of pivoted. And they don't really do the goofy jokes anymore. They really, like, as this as the first season went on, they stopped doing that. They cut it short, and they really just stayed with the social commentary aspect of it. And it essentially, it just became Star Trek. And yeah. I was, I was okay with that. Um, what was your, and and, and I, I enjoyed it. I was really excited that they were doing a second season. I, I was like counting down the days. I was like, I can't wait till this, this show um, premieres for season two. Um, what was your take on the first season of the Orville?
0: Well, first off, I thought it was ballsy as hell to rip off Star Trek so blatantly yeah, in a, right. in a, on yeah. a major network, yeah. you know, with real funding. I mean, you, you know, you see these fan films that go, have been online. MacFarlane doing nothing except a really loving and uh, high budget fan, Star Trek fan production. And it's, it's, you know, the costumes are reminiscent. The ships are vaguely reminiscent. Um, the villains felt very generic. In the first season. Um, uh, but it was definitely there's a you know a semi-military hierarchy. There's in, there's indications of that their economy is very similar to what Star Trek was in the 23rd and 24th centuries, where they, you know, it's not an economy of uh of scarcity um uh, or, or of capitalism. Um so it's a very interesting uh I don't know, so so very ballsy. So the theme of it, they they haven't said the words prime directive yet. They don't have transporters yet but everything else is the same okay their ship can land um but it's it seems to be in every way star trek uh they've got first contact protocols they've got a chain of command that mirrors them the uh, navy uh and uh and military branches but it's not military i don't know it's it it's really interesting to me and they have so many people on the cast and crew who are star trek alum that i uh it would be weird if it didn't have as much Star Trek flavor as it did so I thought it was ballsy I mean they got a holodeck to me that was the one that went that was like one rip off too far yeah. but on the other hand what I love about things like The Incredibles was that Brad Bird didn't just do Fantastic Four he did a new thing that you could say is a Fantastic Four you know it could have easily been a Fantastic Four movie but um, but then he would have made changes to the characters that would have made it more appealing to kids and everyone would have been griping about how you know the Human Torch is now a speedster. You know, there would have been all these weird changes. Or, yeah. the, or the Torch is eight years old. There would have been all these, all the changes that he made to tell the story he wanted to tell would have sacrificed the original thing. So I felt like Discovery, Discovery was less like Trek than Orville was. Its spirit was so different. Its format was so different. the, the It's got this problem that the J.J. Abrams films have, which is that I feel like the creators are somewhat embarrassed by the property. Like they want to do Star Trek. Actually, no. They want to do science fiction, and they can't do their own thing. But they can license this property or get the permission to do an adaptation, an update of this thing. It'll be easier to sell in theaters. It'll be easy to get all the people who remember it from their childhood to come. So instead of doing something new, they're doing this revamp, this reimagining of something else. And in the, and in so doing, they're throwing out the 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 soul of the thing, and I, and that's and that's not. And that's not a little thing. I mean, you can change the trappings all you want. And I don't mind the technology being tremendously different. But if Starfleet officers aren't acting like Starfleet officers, if those ideals are missing, um, if it looks like they put this ship in the hands of morons, uh, you know, it just seems like this isn't the best and brightest anymore. It seems like this is just a bunch of reckless people careening through the universe, causing trouble. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, anyway, that's an excellent oh, I'm point, sorry.
1: though. No, I'm sorry. Sorry to catch
0: off. This is why our original text message thing took an hour and a half. We, <laughs> I was rambling endlessly. I'm really sorry about that. No,
1: no, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. You're fine. Um, <laughs> I, 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 You put it into perspective for me, really, honestly, by you saying what you said that it, it feels like Star Trek more than Discovery did because it's almost like it was embarrassed by its past. That's that's a really good point and that I had never really thought of. Um, see, I took it as in another direction because as TV executives tend to do, they look at trends and they it's all analytics to them. It's all numbers, and they looked at Star Trek as a whole and they said, okay, we had Star Trek: The Next Generation. Then we were like, this is so successful, let's do another series. In fact, let's do a second series. And let's put them on simultaneously. So at one point, you had Star Trek The Next Generation, you had um, Deep Space Nine, and then you had Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Like, there were crossovers where these were both on at the same time. And it became formulaic to a certain degree. I, I personally loved Voyager. Voyager was a great series, in my opinion. But it got to a point where there were episodes that were very stale. You were like, I've seen this before. This is the same episode that they did in Star Trek The Next Generation. This is the same episode that they did in Deep Space Nine. And then they did Enterprise. And Enterprise was essentially a carbon copy of all of them mashed together. It was like, let's do an episode like the original series. Let's do an episode like Next Generation. And it, it just didn't grab the fan base for whatever reason it was. I I honestly, I think a lot of it had to do with bad timing. The show premiered like right around the same time as nine 11 happened. So that took a lot of people out of television for a while. Um, but also too, I think it got stale and discovery is a direct response to that. It is a, we need to do something different. And we needed to be fresh. We needed to be different. It's the same thing you saw with the Kelvin universe. They wanted it so much to be different. They wanted to They wanted to have that, like... Think of all of those products that came out in, like, the 50s and 60s, and then they got revamped in the 80s and 90s. And they would always say something like, this isn't your father's whatever. This isn't your father's Star Trek, is basically what they're trying to say, to try to make it hip. And it, it, it does kind of ring hollow when you're not getting that same soul but when it does hit and you can find and discovery season two is doing it a very, very good job of that. When you get the soul, but you get the updated storytelling aspects of it. I think that it's, it's, you're starting to find, they're starting to find their groove and they've gotten past that first season, which every Star Trek season seems to stumble on. Um, but the Orville didn't have that. But at the same time too, I don't think the Orville has taken as many chances. They're doing old Star Trek, and people were nostalgic for it. So both of these, I feel like both of these series, when you smash them together, they're both achieving a different goal. But they're, if you're a Star Trek nerd like I am, you're watching both of these, and you're getting your fix one way or the other. With, with Discovery, you're getting a new, updated storytelling aesthetic with some of the old stuff, you know, some, some nice nods to the original series. Um, with Orville, you're getting that familiar, serialized, next-generation style of story but with some different things in 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 it, and a different a different mindset. Because, um, I, again, I I personally like Seth MacFarlane. I know a lot of people don't. I really like his grasp on pop culture. He really gets what's going on in society, and has done a really good job of taking that mirror and turning it back into these episodes and seeing some really hard hitting things in our society right now, and putting them into the Orville. So.
0: I, I see yeah. both. I see
1: both sides of it, and that's the problem. Is like, I can't. I waffle back and forth on this all the time. So
0: yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that Orville is kind of eating Discovery's lunch. I yeah. feel like that there was the, I, people were tired, uh, especially of Enterprise. But although, although you know people were tired of Voyager, but it went seven seasons, right? Yeah, it went. Yeah. It went the full distance. Um, I think Enterprise and Discovery, for some reason, have fallen into this weird trap of trying to be before the original series. I think they felt like, okay, we've gone as far as we can at the end of, I'm sorry, of uh, Voyager, we've covered the entire universe, we know what everything is, and we're kind of done. You know, they know which sections of space are done and all this. So I think maybe they felt like we've mapped everything out and there's no place left to go, so let's go before. Um, I feel like that's a big mistake to set a science fiction fu- story in the past of a future that we already know. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so anticlimactic. You know which ships are going to survive. Um you know, I think there are things that we... Um, Discovery's doing some things that are very interesting. Introduction of Captain Pike is interesting because that's a character we really haven't seen. Um, uh, you know, he, we've seen him a handful of times in um, the movies and in, um, you know, the Cage episode of the original series and uh, in the pilot, um, or the unaired pilot. Um, so so I, I love that they introduced that character, and I love that he's an actual Starfleet captain. He's uh there's a moment in season two where someone says, you know, there's someone on, an alien on the ship who's a member of the crew, and they say, you know, um why are you protecting an alien? Uh, you know, an alien, and he's like, no, this is he's one of he, uh, why are you uh, protecting one of ours? And he says, no, I'm. Pre- uh,
1: yeah, I know. With, when you're, no, ta- you're talking about when he's, he's, he's like, defending, uh, when he's defending yeah. Saru, yeah,
0: Saru. This is—he's one of us. Yeah, he's not one of you. He's one of us. And yeah. I felt like that was a very Trek thing to say. Very, uh, uh, you know, uh, intelligent, well thought out. Um, I don't. I, I, Orville is also really interesting because it—it's uh, got McFarlane's sense of humor, but it really is. Uh, I, I, for all I know, he tricked. Fox into letting him do that show. Uh, like he said, this is going to be fart jokes. Yeah. This is going to be really dumb things, really silly comedy. And now he's doing really good science fiction. And I'm also surprised at the number of cameos that have appeared in Orville. You'd have the Doctor from Voyager. You've had Flocks, the Doctor from uh, uh, from Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, tons of little cameos. Oh, and they've got like, what isn't Cisco's? Uh, uh, the the doctor in uh, Orville wasn't she Cisco's girlfriend in uh Team Space 9? Yeah, not
1: only that too. You've had um you've had Robert um uh, Percardo. Um he's shown up. He was um what's her name's father in the uh in season 2 oh, right. episode. Yeah, like you're getting things like that. Robert Duncan McNeil who was Lieutenant Tom Paris, he's directed episodes of the Orville. Yeah, I saw that. And yeah.
0: I did Levar Burton direct one as well?
1: I believe so. I know that we've seen Frakes in there. Um yeah. I don't know if Lavar. I know that I know that Lavar Burton has directed episodes of uh, Discovery, and so has Jonathan Frakes. That's what's interesting to me is that Frakes is double dipping. Like he's doing both um, Orville, and he's doing Discovery, and I think that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, that's great. I, yeah. I, I I think both the shows are a lot of fun. I, I I I'm excited. I'm more excited for Orville when that show comes on. I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm way more interested. They are teasing with season two of Discovery that we're going to meet we're going to see Spock soon. Yeah. And he's, um, but I don't know, for all I know, Discovery's all set in a, one of the, in a mirror universe, not the mirror universe, but a mirror universe where all this will get explained. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So.
1: I I think the thing that, I'm with you. I, I, it didn't need to be in the past. They very easily could have done this in the future. They could have set this after next generation because Discovery's not doing anything that's, that like that you specifically need to have done in the past. And right. there, there's nothing about that. I mean, like, if, if you want to have a war with the Klingons, have a war with the Klingons. Create a new species. It doesn't matter. Like, I, I the only problem that I have with this is, like you mentioned, uh, and, and I think it's a great analogy, is that they're almost embarrassed by their past. I think part of the reason why they're doing this and going back and doing the new special effects is when you look at the original Star Trek and you look at the Klingons, it's... They were limited by what they could do with special effects at the time, but I think that might be an embarrassment point. I don't want to point out... I don't want to be one of those guys who's like, well, look at them. They were doing brown face or black face. But there's a certain updated aesthetic might see it that way. And maybe they're trying to rectify that, saying, all right, you know what? Let's fix that now, because now that we have the technology to make them look much more alien, we'll do that and kind of fix all of this.
0: Yeah, and I I don't mind the... I, I don't mind updating things like the alien designs and things like that it's, it's, yeah. it, it's when you introduce a spore drive or you, the, basically a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy um, or the Infinite Improbability Drive <laughs> where a ship can just appear anywhere else in the universe whenever it yeah. feels like that's a bit of a game changer you know they had to make it something that worked on a on a non-renewable resource they had to do something that would basically kill the pilot you know they, they, that's built into introducing something like that in the past um, you know <laughs> you know you can't yeah introduce a phaser into world war ii without rewriting history um uh, so it's yeah. it's weird that they've done so many things that this season is going out of their way to fix like the holographic screens i mean that's just a throwaway line first of all holographic conversation devices it's just they're just dumb from an execution i mean they look cool on the screen but yeah. they're dumb they're even going to be dumb in the future when two people are just spinning who's who there's nothing convenient about walking around a room while talking to somebody No. if you're not doing anything. Anyway, uh, so these so, so apart from that dumb stuff, they have Captain Pike right away say, let's get rid of those screens. Let's do old-fashioned television screens or not TV screens, but yeah. you know the idea. I thought that um, was funny too, yeah. I love that stuff. And also the Klingons are growing their hair back. You know, yeah. it's it's a lot of things that were just really dumb that in the first one that they just seemed like or, – or they just wanted to do it because it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know why
1: the, the, they're growing their hair back, though, right? Why is that? There's actually... Okay, so there, there's an actual, like, in-timeline canon reason for that. So apparently the reason they're, they were all bald before was because when the Klingons are at war, they shave their heads.
0: That's that's their story. That's... That's, um, what, di- that's what Discovery said? That's what Discovery said, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I heard that they worked it into the storyline, that they were just all of a sudden, everyone's yeah. got... They all look like Klingons again. Yeah. It's... And, and fine, you know, cool.
1: Take, take, your, take your lumps and adjust with it because at least at least they're taking fan feedback and they're not just like, well, we're Star Trek and you're not, so deal with what we're doing. I can at least appreciate that they're trying to fix this and, and not make, they're not doing everything that the fans are saying because some of the things are pretty ludicrous, but like they are taking, taking feedback from it. And I mean, we, we see that with a lot of shows now. I mean, like Marvel did the same thing when they, when they trashed, Uh, Iron Fist on Netflix the second season of Iron Fist was like hey all these things that you said a lot of these were valid so we fixed them and you saw a pretty quick turnaround I mean they went from the lowest rated Marvel series uh, ever on Netflix to having the record breaking turnaround on Rotten Tomatoes for like disparity between season one and season two reviews so that's interesting yeah and it really is and I think that you're starting to see that with Star Trek Um, you saw that with the Orville as well because There was a lot of people that were talking about uh, Season 1's reviews. Like, the fan reviews from Orville for Season 1 were incredible. Like, they were, like, in the 90s. And the um, critics' reviews were very, very low. We're talking, like, 13%. And they were trying to figure out what the disparity was. But right now, as we are reading, as of posting this episode, um, the Season 2 reviews are much, much, much higher from the reviewers and also from the fans, too. So I'm not sure what changed, but it, it seems maybe... The disparity is not there anymore. Maybe, I, and honestly, I think to your point, like he tricked Fox into, you know, hey, I'm going to do a dick and fart jokes space show, and then got got rid of that after like four or five episodes. Um, I, I think that that is part of what it is, is because he's no longer doing the silly goofy stuff. Um, he's now like, let's. I want to do Star Trek, and that's what we're going to do, and that's that's what I think the critics are appreciating, and that's why you're getting a better response
0: yeah and i think and he but he's not he's not abandoning that silliness um it's still got the 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 uh, goofiness of the original season and and uh season two there's like a you know giant klingon type alien who's a member of the crew of the orville who's at a party and he wants the corner piece of cake yeah it's a goofy silly thing it's really charming um he gets it gets a laugh yeah um he so he's basically he's still managing to fit a lot of humor in there but he's kind of the show's taking kind of a dark turn um which i, I think it has the room to do that now did you ever hear about the uh, the story of the walking dead that Robin, robert kirkman sold it to image comics as it's going to be this alien story and cuz they didn't want to do a zombie cuz zombies don't sell and so he pitches them the zombie comic and said no oh, no no it's an alien story by the by uh, issue 5 or so the aliens come and then there he's publishing the story and five or six rolled around and there's no aliens and he just never introduces any aliens or (laughs) any kind like it was just his way of selling it i feel like i've never heard that before oh yeah if you there's an image documentary and uh he, he shares that story um uh but I, I think I think McFarlane probably also sold it uh, to Fox <laughs> with kind of a lowbrow, cheesy thing, and now he's actually doing real Star Trek. And then I think this yeah. must have seen that and gone, "Oh man, we should have done Star Trek." <laughs> man, that was a great idea. Yeah, man, we and, should and have done with, that too. And we might have been tired of it. by the time Enterprise and Enterprise might have had the worst opening song in the history of television. Oh god, but, it was horrible. But the music, the but Discovery's music is amazing. The yeah. opening credits, I would listen to an hour-long version of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, the idea of – if people were tired of Enterprise back in the day and they were getting tired of Voyager and we kind of – that had run its course, it's been many years. You know, it's time. Clearly, people are hungry for that kind of story again. I mean, if if Law & Order can keep going, Star Trek can keep going. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I,
1: I totally agree. Um I wanted to talk about something that you had mentioned before um, and kind of go back to this with, with discovery. um, It's a gripe that a lot of people are, are having is a lot of these officers don't act like what we've seen from Starfleet officers before. Now I'm not excusing it, but one of the things that I think is important to point out is that discovery is supposed to be a science vessel and that this is supposed to be top secret, like your nerdiest of your nerds are on this ship which makes sense why they're all kind of Barclay-esque in a way. Um, Again, I'm I'm trying to excuse it. I I think that it's just interesting the crew that they have assembled is that it's supposed to be the brightest minds, and that's why you're seeing people like Tilly, who are just, just so socially awkward. But I also think that that is a... I think they're doing it for... not for the sake of diversity, but for the sake of trying to identify with their audience and trying to say, hey, look, these type of people still exist in the future, and they're going to exist forever. And you random nerd out there, you have somebody that's much like you. You know, you have a Stamets, who's kind, who's like a genius in his field, but kind of a jerk. Um, you have Tilly, who's incredibly intelligent, but just so socially awkward. She says the, like, the worst things at the worst possible times, but she's still lovable in a way. And I think that that maybe that's what they're going for with that. Again, and I can appreciate it. It was one of those things, too, where somebody who spent time in the military, I know a lot of people really didn't like Lorca, but man, I loved him because he reminded me of so many officers I knew who was kind of a dick, but he was
0: going to get you, he was going to get you home safe, you know, Yeah. and you you could believe in him. I thought that was solid because he felt like a wartime captain. He did, Yeah. And I thought – and I kind of excused it for that reason for him. But the rest of the crew, um, I do like that it feels more inclusive. Um, People are – people knock – I don't know. People seem to be knocking diversity right and left or anything that's – I don't know, not homogenous. I feel like having different physical body types, I like the idea that in the future it's not just all mesomorphs. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You have uh, people of varying body types. It doesn't seem that alien a concept or that weird a concept. Um, especially given that the uh, it, it, that the male crew has had the flexibility of being a bit rounder than the uh <laughs> than one would like you yeah. know then one you know that, uh, so i i don't know the idea of tilly being on the crew and her having a a thicker frame i think she's you know she's lovely and she's a great character i think she's a solid character but you're right in the context of being a scientist the same thing with stamets and uh, yeah. but those are the only two scientists on the ship Yeah. i think <laughs> they have introduced a lot of them on the science vessel yeah. uh, you know except for uh, michael um you know she's um You know, the science officer on a science vessel, so she's got a lot of weight on her shoulders. But the whole idea of her being a traitor, and then you know, brought back on the you know, getting her commission back in the middle of wartime with the and and oh my goodness, that tribunal in the first season, which was out of Krypton, like from the right. (laughs) it was terrible poorly lit that wasn't like justice oh, yeah. in the daylight that wasn't the, that wasn't a federation no. hearing room that was the weirdest darkest dungeon scene it, it, it didn't even fit at all it was a it, travesty just horrible yeah. ugh.
1: I'm glad that you made that Star the the Superman joke because I made the exact same joke. I was really yeah. A friend of mine and I were watching it simultaneously, and I was like, "Oh man, she's gonna be she's gonna get stuck in the Phantom Zone," and like that's exactly what it felt like. Like it was yeah. yeah. It Um, didn't feel
0: like Star Trek at all. Like someone turn the lights on.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Federation
0: (laughs) to pay their (laughs) power bill. But yeah, no,
1: that's a really good point. It it, Burnham is an interesting character. She. The, the, Sonequa Martin-Green is, is an incredible actress. I'm very happy with her. But, like, that's one thing I've noticed about this series compared to the other ones. The drama level is turned up to 11 with all of these characters. It it just seems like there's so much drama with her. There's so many different things. It's it's the thing with Spock. It's the thing with Tyler. It's the thing with Giorgio. It's like there's there's so many different pieces of her past that are, like, just it, it's too complicated i mean and that that's honestly that's fine though because it makes for dynamic characters it makes for interesting storylines and you don't know what's going to happen next with it but at the same time too it, it does feel pardon the pun a little alien for star trek to have so many characters that are your main
0: heroes as flawed right absolutely and also it's, it's weird she's a weird character in that she is clearly uh the writer's favorite yeah right um, she gets nothing wrong. Um, she could be a traitor, but be right about it. She's the one who, like Gibbs from NCIS, he's always right, no matter what the situation is. Dad's entering the room and they're right. It's, uh, <laughs> and she's got that same thing going on. So the, the cool thing about it is that, well, the cool thing about season two is that in, with her reporting to Pike, Pike is right in a different way. And he's able to give his crew latitude to, make, uh, to be right you know, he gives him, he, he gives him the latitude to prove him wrong. Um, and it feels very much like a, he feels like a good leader and the first captain we've seen in discovery that felt like a, a Starfleet captain and not, yeah. you know, and truly he's the only one we've seen, uh, no spoilers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but but she's she's too much like that that forced conflict of you know every situation she's got to be she's best friends with tilly for some unknown reason she's in love, love with tyler for some unknown reason she's there all these things are for some unknown reason uh she doesn't behave like a vulcan at, that often she she uh except when it su- serves the plot uh or to get themselves out of a jam um but 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 again, I think she's she's a solid character, and season two does a much better job of her. Again, if you, you I feel terrible uh, ragging on season one, except for the that tribunal scene. That that yeah. deserves condemnation. That's a that's that's a uh, ah. Anyway, um, <laughs> but season two and the the actors are all fine actors, but there's only so much they can do, especially when they're staring at a green screen. I mean, I don't you know that ridiculous tardigrade for season one. That's a whole other ridiculous. Terrible. People shouldn't be anywhere near a keyboard to be allowed to write that stuff. <laughs> um see, I
1: I I respectfully disagree. I, I thought the thing with Carter <gasps> Grade was, was interesting. I thought it was and and this okay, the spore drive thing is the, the only thing that, that I have an issue with is they have to find some way to obliterate the spore drive before Star Trek, the original series starts. Because sure. there's no mention of that at all. Like it just there, there has to be a reason why that thing no longer exists and honestly i thought they were going towards that in season two right. when that weird parasite thing shows up and is like you guys are screwing up the um mycelial network and i thought that we were going to find out that basically like by them traveling through the mycelial network they're destroying it and then that would have been like oh there's your out okay so they can't use it anymore but it, then they used it for a very star trek reason and right it, it's to resurrect a, a dead character which a lot of people have issues with they're like oh when someone's dead they should be dead but star trek has a long history of that and i yeah, thought and this
0: goes, that goes to the idea of them fixing this dumb things they did in season one yeah that was it. it's like one a, a lot of these episodes are this is the episode where we are we undo that huge mistake yeah. and bringing that doctor back was a, a huge mistake I mean, do not bring him back. But killing him off was a huge mistake for no reason whatsoever. Yeah,
1: other than to for, show that Tyler was, you know, a uh,
0: a sleeper agent. Yeah, and to show that the Doctor has no sense of quarantine, or you know, it's just <laughs> it, it's just this bad. It was, it was forced conflict, one forced conflict onto another. So people would just try to get a gasp out of the audience.
1: So <laughs> something bad happened to you. I don't need to keep you. You're good. You look good, right? Like you just need to shave or something. Now you're good. You're fine. I don't need to quarantine you. Don't worry about
0: it. Mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> You get very, very not Star Trek.
1: Yeah, I agreed, agreed. Um, I've really enjoyed um, the second season of the Orville. I want to talk about this because, and we'll kind of end on this because we we got a few more minutes here, and then we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up. We don't want to yammer on for too long. Um, But Orville season two has, in my opinion, has been dynamite so far. I I have the only issue that the only episode that I had an issue with was, and let me see if I can find the one that it was. Where did she leave? The one where we lost... um, What's her name? She left and went back to her home planet because she lost all of her powers. Oh, Alara. Okay. Yeah. When Alara left the show. That was the only one I didn't like. And the only reason I didn't like that one is because I actually found out accidentally about the backstory behind it. It turns out that Seth MacFarlane was dating the girl who plays Alara, uh, Halston Sage. She's also like 25 years his, his junior, but we're not going to get into that. Um, but they broke up, and she didn't want to be on the show anymore. And I, I thought that it was an interesting way of writing her off. But at the same time, too, it was a better way of writing her off than they wrote off Tasha Yar in season one of Next Generation, instead of killing her with a with a like a tar monster. Um,
0: yeah. Now, but now, tar, now Tasha's death seems less slimy, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's. This just felt weird because once you know the backstory behind it, it was still a good episode. I thought it was a perfectly fine episode.
0: Were they dating before he started production on this show?
1: I don't think so. I think they started dating because of their, yeah, because they were on the show together.
0: He's the boss. For goodness sakes. Yeah,
1: right? Like it's, but it's Hollywood. And I feel like that kind of thing gets glossed over a lot. And it's, it's, (laughs) it's like with, with Uma Thurman and, um, quentin tarantino it was the same thing like it was you just kind of don't talk about it and you should because it's kind of inappropriate but whatever. yeah i I didn't i I didn't know that backstory at all yeah Um, this is all news to me well i'm sorry to be the one that brings you this bad news um that was my only issue with the season so far like i thought all of these other episodes have been great um i liked i've had enough time to digest it the episode where we find out that uh, mercer's love interest is actually a krill spy the only reason that, that irked me was because the character's name was Lieutenant Janelle Tyler, which seems like a, an exact ripoff of Lieutenant Ash Tyler, who was also a sleeper agent in Discovery. And it was kind of like Orville kind of giving Discovery the finger. They're like, hey, we're going to do the same thing that you did, only it's going to be better. And it was like, <laughs> it was it was kind of like, did you really have to do this? You know, what, whatever. This is still fun. I enjoyed this. And like, I really liked that it reinforced Mercer's soul like you saw that this is still a good dude no matter what even after having his heart broken and finding out that the woman he thought he was in love with was actually faking all of this he was like no I'm not going to kill her I'm not going to do this I I still feel that that person that I fell in love with is that person inside there and there has to be there has to be something that she was truthful about like I, I thought that that was really interesting and he 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 exuded something that Star Trek to me has always exuded and that's hope even though the Kriller like we're never going to have peaceful relations with the humanoids, it's never going to happen. He was like, "There's always like he just he left on a hopeful note, and I thought that was that was beautiful, and it just shows that he's he's always gotten what Star Trek is, and that was that was wonderful."
0: Yeah, I like that. I mean, the, the the ending with the Billy Joel song was a bit hammy, but it was. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a very good episode. There was a moment where. Uh, you know, so people haven't seen it. So there's this Krill agent who takes human form, which is established in the show for Previously when McFarlane and his crew took Krill form when yeah. they first uh, and that's how the, that's how I think he killed her brother. Yeah um, And so she's on the ship for some, some reason that the Krill thinks she's the best person even though she's really personal uh, She's got a real personal connection to this mission. She's the right one to send in to uh, impersonate and infiltrate the Orville crew um, I'm hoping they do something more with that too, because if this person had access to, you know, uh, Orville materials, you know, yes, they wanted to have more, uh, sec- they want to have the captain's, uh, level of, of uh, material. That's one reason why they captured him. Uh, they want to get his security clearance so that he can, so they can get access to all the information that he has. Um, but still the idea that they can infiltrate a member of the, uh, planetary union so easily is, oh, yeah. is pretty weird. But then all, all that stuff aside, because it was all about that moment, that twist, where uh, you know she's revealed, and now the two of them are trapped on a planet. And there's a moment where he's walking with her, and he says, "You made me, uh, what does he say? Like a uh, grilled cheese sandwiches? You made me a grilled cheese sandwich, something like that. Like this this alien who's impersonating his girlfriend is cooked for him, because when this when the the show starts off, the two of them are like watching a movie together. Yeah, uh, it's very uh, it's very interesting that he's he's. He really goes out of his way to make these things relatable. Um, yeah.
1: That's, that's one of the things that I think is, is, is genius about his ability uh, to, pop, uh, to, to tap into the, uh, the pop culture zeitgeist. Is that he, even, even if it's a stupid joke where like Bordis will eat anything and he has all the members of the crew just feeding him whatever crap they can. That's something we would all do. Like if we had like if we had an alien that we were serving with that could eat anything and and not be right. affected by it, we would be like, dude, you got to eat this cactus. Like we would all do that. And like it's right. it, and like even like the uh, like Lamar when Lamar before he becomes the um, the chief engineer when he was one of the um, one of the navigators, he was like, yeah, the last captain let us have soda on the uh, on the bridge. Can we have soda on the bridge too? Is that cool? Like that that's such a, that's such a military thing too, because like sometimes you have officers who are going to be by the book and you want to know, you're like, Hey, listen, last commander was cool with it. Like it was, it was just a very, like it was a very relatable moment and he just does a, just a brilliant job of that.
0: Yeah. That's great. I think yeah. that's, that's the, probably the show's strength. Yeah. Is, I, but but although no, I take it back now, now it's the writing. Yeah. Now it's the, um, you know, it's the actually giving us episodes that, uh, Giving a Star Trek in a way that Discovery isn't. I hope people yeah. check it out.
1: Yeah, I do too. And then, like, if you, if you don't have uh, cable like me, um, and you want to watch it, it's all on Hulu, and it's you can catch up. It, it, the episodes are all about an hour, but it's really really fun. And those fir- the first season has a couple of really really funny moments, like when they're when they're in the holodeck and they're doing the old west thing, and you think it's going to be like an old west shootout, and the guy on top of the building. <laughs> It's like, no, we are going to have a dance off. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. But it was just one of the funniest things that I had seen. And
0: Absolutely. again, too,
1: things like if you had access to the holodeck, you would totally do things like that. And it was it was fun. But like, a couple more minutes here, but let's let's talk about this. The first time we get a major cliffhanger in the Orville was the last episode. The new episode's actually airing tonight, so the next time we do this, we'll talk about it. But identity where we find out that Isaac, um, I don't even want to give it away because if you haven't watched it, oh my God, but like without spoiling too much. Wait, what, wait, wait, wait.
0: If you want to, we'll talk about it next time. Like give people a chance. Go there see, you go. Go, everyone should go see part one and then go see part two and we'll talk about that.
1: I like that. That's a good tease, but yeah, like just just quick hits on it without giving any story points away. What did you think so far? Like, are, were you happy with this? Or are you like, oh, I can't wait to see this or is it like, eh, whatever, I'll get around to it when I do.
0: No, no, no. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was fun. It, it didn't go where it was. I, I, I immediately thought it was going in a very different direction. Yeah. Um, uh, I kind of had this uh, whole, I went on a whole other uh, internal tangent about what uh, his home world might be like. Uh, it's sudden, but I think it's not giving it, spo- what, well, the, by now we've already established that the doctor on the ship um she and this artificial life form Isaac are having a rel- relationship and yeah. every yeah. time the two of them interact it feels like someone's writing bones spock slash fiction it's like the t- <laughs> she keeps saying you inhuman you thought you're not so you're 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 so thoughtless you're so unemotional yeah. why yeah. don't do you even care all of those could be lines spoken by bones to spock um it's a uh, it's really interesting um that they that they've even attempted to do that with the uh, the characters. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. It like like you said, it was um, a cliffhanger and and a good one.
1: Yeah, I I'm what? I'm I'm super stoked about this and like it'll be available on Hulu tomorrow. So I'm definitely gonna watch that tomorrow and, uh, and check when we it out. Get off
0: after this, after we get off, I want to uh, uh, I want to talk to you about what I th- what I think happened in that scene in that uh, episode. And then let's see if I'm right.
1: Well, there you go. So I think there I think that's. Uh, a nice tease for all of us guys. Um, the next time we come back on, what are we calling this Steve? Um, we bounced around a couple of different ideas. I, I, I thought, you know, a podcast best served cold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what uh, I, um,
0: Oh, wait, 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 wait. Um, is, is, how about something with the Orions? Weren't they pirates? Um, yeah, the, maybe there's something to connect with the, uh, pirate radio, yeah. Orion pirate radio or, uh, <laughs> something, uh, i don't know we'll, we'll go figure up, it out
1: we will come up with something yeah it, we will we will definitely come up with something guys it might just be something generic where it's ggr or trek talk or something like that i don't know we'll see either way if you have a good idea let us know shoot us a message uh on facebook on instagram on twitter we're all over the place uh we are always happy to hear from our fans and listeners um but steve real quick um when you're not doing podcasts talking about Star Trek. Um, Tell us a little bit about your book. So anybody listening to this for the first time and has never heard of Steve, uh, Steve Connolly, what is it that you do and why is it so awesome?
0: It is, uh, what I do is I do a webcomic called the middle age. And if you go to middleagecomic.com or patreon.com slash Steve Connolly, you'll see my webcomic. It's a, it's a biweekly webcomic supported by crowdfunding about a knight who's on a quest to rescue his love from dragons. And Uh, it is a really dumb, silly thing that I write and draw. It's been going on for about two and a half years. It's been lucky enough to get some award nominations. So I've been lucky to, uh, to lose some awards. Um, and, uh, again, it's at middleagecomic.com.
1: Yeah. And, and don't sell yourself short, man. It is incredibly entertaining. I I enjoy every panel that I read. It's, it's always fun. (laughs) The comedy is, there's a, there's a certain, wryness to it that i really appreciate it's not over the over the top beating people over the head but then you also get that too like it's you you are diverse in your comedic styling with this book and the art is just on point like it is it's clean that's the the best way i can describe it like everything is precise and i and i just i love every time i see an update i'm like great oh there's more okay cool i get to read more and it's just always exciting so don't sell yourself short man i think you're doing a great job you're very kind of course well I try.
0: Um, I try to, I don't, I don't want to sell it to, I don't want to uh, build it up and then people go and they go, ugh, yeah. I want them to think this, I want them to think, ugh, and then go check it out and go, oh, not so bad. It's like when you get a, like a, a CD from your friend's band or you, they say, hey, here's my uh, MySpace link and you're like, you trepidatiously click the link to go, oh no, how bad is this? I want gonna, this to be. I'm not going to be able want, to look them in the eye anymore. <laughs> uh-huh, I want this to be the moment where you go, oh, not bad. That's, that's that's what I hope for. That's my goal. When people check it out, they go, huh, not bad.
1: Fair enough. Um, so, Steve Ma, uh, Steve Connolly's stuff, it sucks. <laughs> um, you should just go just to laugh at it, um, and then be pleasantly surprised when you find out that it's pretty good. Yeah, there's uh, comments. You can critique me. There you go. <laughs> On that note, we'll go ahead and wrap up uh, tonight's episode. Uh, for Steve Connolly, uh, my name is Mike Lunsford, and... I'm looking for a cool Star Trek uh, outro on this. Um, We're boldly going where plenty of other podcasts have gone before, but we'll be back for more, so stay tuned, guys.
0: Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for more podcasts and our awesome articles. Radio Network Production Juice Bags. (laughs) Yeah, boy.